you're launching for a new and first customer, consider who are the people closest to you relationally and geographically. And those are the best ones to go after. And my strategy was based around this because there are still, I look back and think, how many folks in my network have I not tried to help solve this problem for? Welcome to Marketing with Matt. If you're an entrepreneur or business owner looking to create more margin in your life and business, you're in the right place. For more after the show, be sure to check out ProfitMoreWorkLess.com. Let's talk launching. Hey, everybody. How are we doing? <laughs> you know, I, Matt, with, when you share and when you teach, I think sometimes you might forget that some people are just getting started because you've done some really cool things, especially in the SaaS world. If you were just getting started today and you were like, how do you, I need to just go get my first one, two, three SaaS subscribers. Like, how would you use your network to do that? Well, see, so you, you clued in on it. And I think this probably applies to any type of business, but I have zoomed out and found this is true is that you should compete on proximity. And so what I mean by this is the easiest first sales for any business are gonna be close to you because you have a unique advantage. And so I don't know if anybody's ever been to like the farmer's market, but you go to the farmer's market and their likelihood to get a sale is better just because they're in my town, right? They are winning over big national brands and chains on proximity. That's geographical proximity. And if you look at like other call it kind of like scrappy business starts. Uh, the MLM space models this very well. And a lot of people's like introduction into entrepreneurship is in this like multi-level marketing where they teach people how to sell to their network um, because that should be the easiest sale to make. It, it just is. And so for a lot of times when they're starting off, even in the, in the SaaS space, I ask folks like, consider what is close to you? I remember a number of times I'd have a conversation where they'd be like, well, my dad's a dentist, my uncle's a dentist, and uh, I guess, you know, my two best friends are dentists. And I want to try and serve realtors. You're like, no, I think you should go, I think you should try and help dentists. (laughs) At least four of them. (laughs) Like, you have something that is so hard for other people to create, like to, to break into. And that is a degree of trust that comes with proximity, right? When I, this idea of buy local, it's because I inherently trust the people that are closer to me more so than I uh, trust people that are further from me. It's like, if you are already on the same page as I am, at least geographically. And so I will attribute a higher value to you. I will sometimes pay more for that produce from the farmer's market than I might from the produce that might have been shipped in from you know Australia or Mexico, wherever. Why? It's just like ingrained us as human beings is it's actually born out of our capacity for empathy, which is super interesting because your ability to empathize, like that skill of empathy comes from the skill of anticipating what someone else is going to do. And you're best at doing that when you share the same context. And so uh, via audio, you can't see this. And maybe you've heard me talk about this before. If you've heard me uh, ever speak, I'm holding a glass right now or a little little espresso cup and I'm passing it towards my other hand. And if I ask you, what am I about to do? Most folks would guess, hand it off to the other hand. Be like, why? Because you're imagining, given all the context, yourself in my shoes, all of the clues say, I'm about to transition which hand is holding the cup. That same skill, that ability to almost just anticipate what the next person is going to do creates a high degree of trust. It's weird because I'm, what am I doing? I'm putting myself in your shoe. That's empathy. In person, in proximity, with the most amount of common variables that we share, I'm imagining myself in your shoes. So I trust you to a degree, 
of the same way that I trust myself. And so in that way, if you're launching for a new and first customer, consider who are the people closest to you relationally and geographically. And those are the best ones to go after. I just did a, a challenge where I was like, I'm going to launch a brand new SaaS for the first time. And my strategy was based around this because there are still, I look back and think, how many folks in my network have I not tried to help solve this problem for? I'm in a weird position. Uh, maybe other people feel this way too, where it's like, if you ask my family, like, what do I do? They're like, internet? Yep. I do the internet. Matt, just job is internet. And I think a lot of people in the digital space, you feel this way. But it's it's also because I keep on thinking of, I don't know how to go the other way. This is getting like religious, but there, there's this concept. I remember like, this is the story of Jesus, right? Like he wasn't accepted in his own town. Like there's this feeling where, where you came from, those people, it is hard or impossible for them to see you as you are today. They see you as you were, not necessarily as you are. And um, for better or for worse, it's just a reality. But for better or worse, we don't take the effort to redefine who we are with them because it's just already more difficult. But I would say in this space, especially if you're new and you're launching, people do like to know what's going on around them. And for a lot of folks in the space with the software, like you solve a meaningful problem and they continue to wander in the wilderness because you decide not to even have that conversation. So I went through this process of hustling via text message. And so then the common question is like, what do you say? What do you say when you're like, how do I announce to the people around me closest to me that I have something that can solve a problem for them? And we can talk about that. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think it's interesting how often when we're selling SaaS, we're saying, oh, you really should set up your Google business profile so that people around you can find you. And then when we're being the SaaS, right, we don't do that. We don't make sure the people around us know the, how to like what we do and how to get a hold of us. And so what if, if you're reaching out to people either in your geographic or, or network proximity, what do you, how do you start that conversation? Yeah. So what I consider is I try to put myself in the position of the timeless solve. So for me, it's easier to celebrate something that isn't me. So I'm like, I, I am naturally a person who builds up the people around me or builds up something timeless there. And I'm not usually uh, touting it for myself. So this is interesting. Maybe I'll just go a quick little aside about this. But we we had this event, and one of the people speaking we, we had in our in our insider community was sharing about this idea of, of your um, he called it your BAM, right? It was your BAM, and you and he was saying you needed to phrase this in the you, like create it for the listener. And I realized my BAM statement or my like my purpose, my why, whatever it was, was not in that way. So I used to articulate it. I used to say I want to solve meaning. Even this, I put it on myself. But I want to uh, solve meaningful problems for the people around me so that they can win professionally and be famous in their own home. And uh, the reframe there, which I'm starting to adapt, is I want to, or like, <laughs> I, like, whatever you do, I help you solve meaningful problems so you can win professionally and be famous in your own home. And uh, I think my, the resistance, why that wasn't a natural thing for me is because I don't want to celebrate myself. But ironically, ironically, it's actually counterintuitive. The first one is saying, here's what I want to do for you. The other one, like I want to help you do. And then the other one is like, it's actually putting, it's making the other person the hero, right? And it, and it fears it's counterintuitive, but I, yeah, I really like that reset. Yeah, it's definitely counterintuitive. But so I guess to the, the strength in my weakness there, how I've, historically and continue to, to sell SaaS, if you will, is celebrate the timeless thing. So if I was going to tell someone about it, even the hook that I did um, was more so around, hey, we found something 
really cool. I'd love to show you. So I, I didn't make it. I invented, I made, I have something I want to sell you. It was around this idea of, hey, I stumbled onto something really cool. I think it would be at, like, I think it would be awesome for you guys. I'd love to show you. So I think that's, for me, that was enough of a hook to get intrigued, especially if you know their context. So like I stepped, I like, you know, started by asking who in my network could find value from this. And like, I remember some of the earlier ones were, um, people that had you know done an MBA with me and either worked for work currently work for a business or own their own business we're like okay this is easier and so I, I like distilled down to like who okay there's people in my network who own a brewery in like East LA I was like okay that's that's easy that's straightforward uh, there's people in my network now like are you know uh, uh, well actually uh, had a wife that like the side hustle was in uh, the jewelry space like oh, that's great like that's ecom a little bit different but like you could find I could find interpret value there but how I started the conversation was almost like new news that I'm excited about. And it made me think of then because it just comes off a little bit more approachable than have you thought of giving me more money? Yeah. Have you thought of paying (laughs) me recently? Because they're like, no, that's weird. Like we're just, you know, we went in class together. Why would I pay you more money? So um, I think the aha, the Eureka strategy is what I led with. And it it tended to get a positive response no matter what. I think then there was... The, the secondary challenge there is urgency. There, there's no urgency around that. It's kind of like when you get around to it, then you're going you're gonna to want to do it. And um, so I revamped it to uh, my follow-up, have some sort of sense, like I, I falsely imposed some sort of time urgency there to see if we could, if, see if I could get folks to prioritize it. Because yeah. initially, it was enough to spark some curiosity. They're like, oh, this is an interesting, you know, what could this be about? Yeah. Um, but if they're busy... They're not going to prioritize no, you. No, the so response that. becomes like, yeah, I'd love to hear that. Let's grab coffee sometime or That's something exactly. long-term, right? So here's one thing that I've seen with people just getting started. You have this idea where like, okay, you're not picking a niche. You're just focusing on proximity. Yep. So there's an overwhelm on the back end. How am I going to go fulfill that? That's not yep. a single snapshot. It's not a single thing. How do you balance the, like stay in the imperfect action of just go get the first, focus on proximity and not like a niche? For me, I created the false like the false pressure or constraint of consequences uh, for my hair. Like that's what I did. I said like I got to do this. I'm shaving my head, and I'm doing everything I can to not shave my head. Um, for other folks, if you really think about it, cash flow is the lifeblood of a business. That is food and water, and so um, it's natural. It's easy for us in our lives. It's like when you get hangry, you're like you know I don't care. Like I will eat a Snickers. Like I care nothing about nutrition. I'm hungry. Like I'm just gonna get a Snickers and like just satisfy this core need. When you're launching something, for most folks, there's not actually a high degree of desperation there. High enough degree of desperation there. Um, but I, I think there it's possible to do those kind of mental gymnastics to force yourself into this thing where. Uh, you convince yourself you're operating out of need and you you get over yourself. So for me, a good reminder and, and like a uh, just a, a realignment of what I'm willing to do is is my kids. I, I'll like do the mental gymnastics and imagine the consequence is not just for myself, but actually for my kids. And then all of a sudden, I feel a strength to get over myself to do the thing that feels awkward and feels unnecessarily urgent. Yeah. And so like, you know, for you, basically, you're like, I'm not going to worry about having the perfect snapshot about having all the back end stuff. Because it doesn't matter if you don't have a subscriber, right? Like, it, you got to start with the real problem, which is 
do you have a customer? It's something born out of habit for me. So it, it's kind of like if someone's, I'm not a super buff dude who goes to the gym, but you're asking someone who's got like huge arms, like, what do you do? He's like, well, you consistently do the same thing that you know you should be doing kind of a thing. And so for me, that idea of imperfect action, it is imperfect because the entire throughput has not been designed or even achieved yet. However, I have learned time and time again that it works best when you put appropriate pressure, like they cascade down. And so as much as it feels tempting to get things perfectly down the line, I have just done it enough that I feel strangely comfortable. And I, I, I've, Tyler, you've experienced this where I will openly say, I know there's consequences there. I know we don't have everything buttoned up and, and tied together. However, I am absolutely fine letting these things move in appropriate order to the point where the consequence will create the pressure. Right. Let's talk about a really real, like relevant connected one. Uh, the website for this podcast, <laughs> for this show that you're watching, <laughs> like so many people I know would never have started their show because the website wasn't finished. If you're listening to this now, hopefully there's something there. But I'll tell you, if you're listening to this and it goes to a dead page, this was because I said, that is great. That is nice to have. We will get around to that, but we will not stop. We will not pause or delay publishing because something else is in process. I think that's such a powerful lesson. Um, in business, it, you can't, that, those one-week delays become year delays. And all of a sudden, the ideas and brilliant concepts of, of bursts of inspiration that you had lie dormant. And I, that's, a, that's a skill too. If you, if you say no to every burst of inspiration that you get, you stop getting that those bursts of inspiration. And so I love the what, how you model that. And I think uh, people can really learn, like exercise that. And uh, and I think that there's some a place they could even go and learn a little bit more about your process of not shaving your head. If you're curious about launching, if you, if you yeah, we'll tell that. I'll, I will promo a different website URL that I do know works. That process, if you want to distill, like break down a framework for launching SaaS. Now, some of the stuff we talked about, this is timeless. I think this applies to all business, but if you want to get more into the weeds of exactly what that looks like from a, a, a SaaS perspective, a private label SaaS perspective. Um, we are, we just launched this. I'm super stoked about it, but it is a free five-day, we call it a SaaS accelerator, um, breaking down these big chunks of things that I see people do out of order. And that's kind of the biggest uh, takeaway in, in the launching phase is good things at the right time become wrong things. And that's what my hope is for folks is why we would open this up and release it for free is that more people would would get that clarity to know certain things need to be done first <laughs> and certain things are good things, but should be intentionally delayed. And maybe it's just in a collective community and more you know, case studies and examples and to kind of go into the weeds of it to help folks get that belief and maybe start to work those muscles of like, what does it look like to take imperfect action? Um, that's what we're doing. So it's the number five, five day SAS accelerator. I picked, uh, I don't know what that is, like 11th grade vocabulary uh, word there to make it hard on you. So no judgment if uh, if you have to try and spell it a couple times. Uh, but it's five days sasaccelerator.com. Uh, <laughs> and I know we're getting more and more people watching your show and learning these kind of things. I hope I hope if you if this is one of the first episodes you catch and you're like, man, this is good stuff, go back and watch some of the other marketing with Matt's and what's Matt Matt's sharing. This doesn't just work for SaaS. Like Matt said, this is timeless stuff that's really powerful. It's amazing how many times we don't utilize our network. And if you can, if the SaaS or your business truly helps someone, why wouldn't you tell them about it? Right. And uh, 
So I think that's really a good reminder to uh, not forget what's closest to us. Love it. Well, I'll see y'all on the SaaS Accelerator. Thanks for tuning in for this week's Marketing with Matt. Check out ProfitMoreWorkLess.com to learn how we create high margin marketing. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the podcast, feel free to make a recommendation. I'm sure they'll thank you for it. Okay, bye for now.